0: Well, one of the reasons we call it Fire Mountain is that ridge top has been set on fire by, by arsonists or by lightning on numerous occasions. And while after she had flagged it, from my understanding, after she had flagged it, she, uh, it had caught fire and burned up all the flags. So she had to flag it again.
1: Welcome to Trail Fact. I am your host, Josh Blum. aka Mr. Fire Mountain. Fire Mountain is located in Cherokee, North Carolina, within the koala boundary of the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians. We covered everything from how the Fire Mountain Trail System came to be to what is about to be ignited near the Fire Mountain Trail System. Part 2 of this series on Fire Mountain will go live next week, and it will feature Laura Blythe, a native of the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians. In that episode, we cover everything from the history of her tribe to how mountain biking has changed her life and how Fire Mountain has added to the quality of life within the koala boundary. I'd like to take a moment to thank all of the listeners and guests who have taken the time to share the Trail Effect episodes on their social media accounts, such as Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, along with tagging Trail Effect in their posts. This has helped more listeners find the Trail Effect podcast. Please keep up all the sharing, commenting, and tagging of Trail Effect. I'd also like to thank all of the listeners who have signed up to be supporters of Trail Effect through Patreon. These actions mean a lot to me. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www dot evotrails.com or go to www.trailfectpodcast.com Now on to the Trail Effect with Mr. Fire Mountain, Jeremy Hyatt. Here we are today on Trail Effect. I have Jeremy Hyatt. Jeremy is the Secretary of Operations for the Eastern Band of the Cherokee Indians otherwise known as the EBCI which we may may refer to that as in this con, in this conversation today how's it going today jeremy
0: doing great how are you
1: i'm doing good it's wisconsin and it's been a roller coaster for weather i think it's been a roller coaster for
0: you guys as well it has indeed it's uh, it's pretty it's a beautiful day out here today it's about 35 degrees right now i think it was 62 days ago and it's supposed to get up to around i think 50 today it's uh, at least the sun is shining we've had quite a bit of rain there and a lot of cold, cold temperatures over the holidays, too. It's been a mess to some degree.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a cold winter, I think, or cold holidays for at least everything east of the Mississippi in this country. So No doubt about it. Well, let's get into your role, at, or let's actually back up. Let's go. Let's get into how you got into mountain biking, because yeah, I think you have a unique story on how you got into mountain biking and trails, which then will, that'll roll us into what we're going to talk about today at Fire Mountain, which is your trail system there at the Eastern Band of the Cherokee Indians in Cherokee, North Carolina.
0: You bet. Um, how I got into mountain biking myself was through my dad. My folks divorced whenever they were, when I was pretty young, I was around eight years old. My dad used to take us out in the woods. We used to, after they separated, divorced, whatever, I guess he had a lot of extra time on his hands, but we were going out into the wilderness a little bit. He'd take me rock climbing. He started getting into bicycling. He was around 39, 40 years old at the time. And he would take me along with him as I visited him on weekends and, you know, it wasn't just weekends. We, 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 we spent a lot of time together. He started road biking to start with just for health health reasons. He's always been into, into exercise and uh, weightlifting and things like that. He, was, he ran a little bit, but as time went on, he his really wasn't clicking with him too much. And he thought he'd try the bicycle. Got comp- and anything my dad does, he gets 100% into. And so he started road riding, and I had a little BMX bike, and he'd make me tag along with it. I was a fat little chubby boy, and I just kept. I'd try to ride with him. It was tough. It was hard. It wasn't the most fun experience ever. And then he got himself a mountain bike. When he got himself a mountain bike, he would uh, ride the local trails like Solly. He would go over to Bent Creek and those types of things. These are all trails he used to ride on motorcycles years ago. Well, particularly over in the Bent Creek area. And he was very familiar with them. He would go over there and he would, uh, whenever he was home or whenever I was staying with him, he would put me on his mountain bike and he would ride his road bike on the road and that way I could keep up with him a little bit better and that's kind of how it got started at 15 years old I got one of the best christmas presents ever and that was a, a trek 830 uh, mountain bike and um I've kind of been riding for the most part ever since so I'm 46 now you do the math it's a long time and it was a great experience for my dad and I to, to be able to ride together. We still do. He's getting to where he's not riding as much anymore, but, uh, I will always cherish and remember the day that I was actually able to beat him. Like I said, he was, he was really into it. He, he got 100% into it. A very fit guy, uh, a very light guy. And so he, uh, didn't drink, doesn't smoke. You know, I remember the day that I was actually able to beat him to the top of the hill. It was, uh, it was quite a feat.
1: Yeah. And I suppose that's a day where, on the parent side, it's kind of mixed emotions, right? It's like, great. Now the kid's beating me, but then you're also proud of the kid too, right?
0: Exactly. Exactly. I know that's what he felt. I, I know it. And it made him uh, work harder too. Uh, there's a lot of stories about my dad and I, I could get into I won't get into here, but he and I used to try to kill each other on the bike. That's for sure. <laughs> Riding really hard on the local trails. trails. We used to build trails together. It's, it's really been a part of my life for a very, very long time. And it's, a, it's, a, it's certainly a passion of mine in, you know, now. It's a lifetime sport. It's something you don't ever have to stop doing.
1: Well, let's fast forward a little bit because you're also the Secretary of Operations for the Eastern Band of the Cherokee Indians. And let's kind of talk about maybe how you got into that role and how that role, this will set the stage for, for the Fire Mountain Trail system because the Fire Mountain Trail system does fall within that role.
0: You bet. Around 2009, I started working. I, I was working at the, at the casino as a table games dealer. Around 2009, I started getting in. I was appointed to the uh, Government Affairs Liaison or Chief of Staff for uh, Principal Chief Michelle Hicks. I was in that role for four years. It wasn't a role that necessarily suited me or any talents I had, really. I, I, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't something that I was absolutely 100% into. And it was also an appointed position, a position of a director of Natural Resources and Construction opened up within the tribe. I have some, one of the programs that entrenched in that, or rather one of the programs that's in part, that's part of that division is a THPO, which is Tribal Historic Preservation Office, something that's always interested me. I have a little bit of a background. I have a degree and a little bit of a background in archaeology and anthropology. So I applied for this job, got it. And so I was no longer an appointee, which was made me very, very happy. I was in this, I've been in this role for, and this is director of Natural Resources and Construction. Under the Hicks administration. I was in that role for two years. And when the Hicks administration left office and the new office came on board, the new administration came on board, I was appointed again to Secretary of Operations, essentially. And that's where I've been ever since. It encompasses 17 programs, a lot of the utilities programs, water and sewer, wastewater, water treatment, sanitation, tribal construction, uh, Cherokee DOT. It also handles the emergency management section of the tribe fire department, EMS, dispatch and emergency management. It also handles some of the, the internal programs like housekeeping, facilities management, those types of things. So it's 17 programs, it's a big division. I have a lot of tremendous staff that help me manage this. We have about 400 employees just in this section. And one of those programs, one of those 17 programs is project management. What I took over as secretary fell under my purview and at that point fire mountain trails or what was to become fire mountain trails was was and still is in that program and i can get into, into that in just a moment but currently to answer your question that's how i got involved in the position that i'm in now and if you like we can talk we can talk about fire mountain trails and and it's, and it's start now if, if it's up to you whatever you like however however direction you'd like to go
1: well i'd like to back up just a second cuz i want to kind of illustrate the magnitude of what a position like that entails, which is, so what is the size of the Koala boundary, which is the boundary that makes up the Eastern band of the Cherokee Indians? And then you how many, how many miles of roadway do you have? Like what, like just what is What are all your facilities look like?
0: I'm more of an administrator over these. I'm no, I'm, I'm, I'm an expert at none of it. I have such wonderful experts underneath me that can take care of this business. I kind of oversee it all. Ultimately the Koala boundary. Is fifty six thousand acres, and then you can add some of the other trust lands in Graham County and in Cherokee County, and we have a few trust lands in Haywood County as well. We have sixteen thousand citizens that we're responsible for. We do our best to, and we have around ten to eleven thousand that live locally within the five county area. We have about nine thousand that live on the boundary itself. Now, this property once covered seven states, and we're the only federally recognized tribe in Western North Carolina, are in North Carolina. The tribe itself. Is a gaming tribe, which allows us to, you know, it's, it's, we have a very successful casino here, no question about it. And it funds many of the programs that we put in place here. The reason we have a DOT to the magnitude that we have it is because of that. The reason we are allowed to, we are able to send any qualified tribal, a tribal member to school is because of the gaming revenue that we get. And that gaming revenue has, due to the, the fantastic leadership, especially the current leadership as it relates to doing as it relates to um, diversifying the economy. Due to that, we're we're building on that up to we're basically a two billion dollar corporation sitting right here in Western North Carolina. It's a huge driver in terms of jobs. It's a huge driver in terms of uh, work and benefits. We have about I think we have close to 2000 employees. If you count tribal employees, hospital employees, casino employees and Voice club employees, those are all tribal entities. It's a big, big place with a with a lot of responsibility. It's um, it's certainly not like anything locally that I could point to. I would say our budget is about this. You know, I'm not going to go into that. I can't remember what our budget is equa- equates to. or I want to say Charlotte or Asheville or Buncombe County or Mecklenburg County, I can't remember that. So I'm just going to leave that alone. But it's big business here, and we have a lot of responsibility. Our and our drive. our drive is to improve the life and quality of life of our tribal citizens. You know, for generations, we have taken scraps off the BIA table. Now we are taking care of ourselves and our tribal leadership is making sure that we do take care of ourselves to the best of our ability.
1: Well, that leads us right to why mountain biking, why trails and how the fire mountain trail system came to be.
0: You bet. Absolutely. I wish I could say it was my idea. It's not. I've always uh, enjoyed trails and I've always Enjoyed riding, being on, hiking, mountain biking, whatever it be. But it was not my idea to build trails here. I always thought it was a, it was a, it was a cool idea. And when it was brought to my attention, I was still director of, of natural resources and construction. And that was still under the Hicks administration. Tanya Tinker-Jinks, if anyone has heard me speak about Fire Mountain Trails, she'll be the first one I mention. Uh, she always will be. She gave birth to Fire Mountain Trails, essentially. And that was, it was her idea to find a plot of land, to build trails on, to allow, to give our uh, tribal citizens another opportunity to get out and about. We have, like many other communities, we have a lot of diabetes, we have obesity, childhood obesity, and it's not getting any better. And she wanted to provide another outlet for, for our tribal citizens to get out and be active and to get healthy and improve their quality of life, whether that be hiking them, whether that be riding on a mountain bike, whatever, just something different. She put in a lot of legwork to find the property. She went to tribal council and planning board numerous occasions to find a piece of property or to propose property. She was finally able to find 212 acres above, essentially above the hospital, the current hospital where it sits now, 212 acres to, to build trails on. It's tribal property. Uh, she went to planning board, got the uh, got the approval from them, applied for the Cherokee Preservation Foundation Grant, I think for $10,000 to do the design. and she. She went from there. She got that going. She hired uh, Anawasa, I believe it was Anawasa. It's a local company, Anawasa Landscaping, but they hired Valerie Naylor to do the actual layout. She did a phenomenal job. She did a really terrific job laying out what we had. Now, well, one of the reasons we call it Fire Mountain is that ridge top has been set on fire by, by arsonists or by lightning on numerous occasions. And while after she had flagged it, from my understanding, after she had flagged it, she uh it had caught fire and burned up all the flags so she had to flag it again <laughs> and that's just that's one of the reasons we call it fire mount. but um she did that part of it now i was not necessarily involved because i was not over project management at the time and at that point tinker was a travel planner working in project management after she had gotten the uh, funding for the design and the design was complete she left uh, for Greener Pastures at the Preservation Foundation and she left. And about the same time, I took over project management. So it kind of sort of fell in my lap. I think she had maybe, it fell in my lap. And it, so it became a passion project for me. And I was over project management. I had the manager of project management make it a priority. We asked for the funding to get it done. We, had a, we sent the design out for bid. We had a good price come back. From uh, who was ultimately, eventually, ultimately our builder, and that's Trail Dynamics, Ed Sutton over in Brevard area. And we got funding from a uh, capital improvement plan, or I'm sorry, capital improvement funding source here on the boundary, and that's all general fund money generated from the, from the casino. We got our funding, and away we went. We built these trails. We had Ed build, a, I think at that point, it was 10 and a half miles of trails on this 212-acre uh, parcel. It was essentially from the day he was there, that's pretty much when I took over. It's whenever he became, he came on board. We cut the ribbon on June 9th, 2017. And what ultimate, what was ultimately, what started out being a project that was for our tribal citizens, which it still is very much so far, tribal citizens became something so much more. It became a kind of a, a destination. We've had more traffic here from the region than I ever anticipated. I never anticipated Fire Mountain being uh, a draw that it has become, you know, it's, it's not Pisgah. It's not, uh, it's not necessarily DuPont, but, but we get a lot of people coming here. People that are uh, taking trips specifically for it and then people that are over in Pisgah or DuPont or in Sally. And hey, let's go at, let's, let's head toward Cherokee and let's see what they have to offer. I've Had some really, really good responses. Have a lot of people here. We are, Numbers keep going up. It seems it's, 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 it's wonderful. We're right now at 11 after a few expansions, we're right now at 11 and a half miles, hoping to improve on it constantly.
1: Well, and let's put this into perspective in terms of distance to like say Pisgah National Forest or DuPont or Sally, like how do you sit geographically distance wise from those locations?
0: Uh, We're a little closer to Sally. I would say we're from, from Sally, we're about 35 minutes. We're a little further to Pisgah and DuPont. From here in Cherokee, it's an uh, hour and 45, I would say. Hour and a half, hour and 45. There's no real good way to get there from here. <laughs> really yeah, the mountains kind of put, put a big barrier there, right? <laughs> exactly. And you don't want to go through 26 because, gosh, the traffic is just so horrible and the road is so horrible. Uh, so, you know, there's four or five different ways we go, but uh, we still managed to get over there. There's no question.
1: So in terms of people coming to Cherokee in general and you're saying your numbers have gone up and there's a casino there. Like, do you, is this contributing to a lot of your numbers going up? You know, or the is casino,
0: it, not the casino. I don't think, no, I don't not,
1: think not the casino, but I mean, just people, fin- uh, you know, visiting the Koala boundary and the e- uh, EBCI.
0: Absolutely. Yes. I think so. Um, because a lot of the folks that are coming here to ride fire mountain wouldn't come here otherwise. And then they're finding hopefully, and that's what we're, striving to do here is to provide things okay if Fire Mountain is going to bring you here or if fishing is going to bring you here we need the other periphery things we need food and beverage we need uh, better restaurants we need more restaurants we need uh, more amenities we need things to do in the evening Uh, we need um, we need alcohol we just passed uh, uh, we just got alcohol about six months ago we used to be dry now we have alcohol by the drink and package so that's a really nice thing. That's an early, nice amenity to have. And it's important if we want to expand what I hated seeing happen were fishermen and mountain bikers coming here and then traveling to Brasson city or Silva to, to, to have their after, after ride beverage or after ride food. So we're hoping to improve upon that, but I would say that, yes, many people are coming specifically for that. And I'm not saying everyone's leaving town. There are a few that are stopping and they're going to the drama or they're going to the Indian village or they're going to the, Museum, which are all three fantastic amenities to go to. Ultimately, to answer your question, yes, they are coming here. We have more people coming here, or at least stopping in here, because of mountain biking.
1: I do have to ask because I'm I'm in Wisconsin, western Wisconsin. Not too far from me is uh, the Ho Chunk Nation, which is Native American tribe located here in Wisconsin. That's also a gaming tribe, and. With their casinos, I think they have several casinos, but with their main casino in the middle, kind of in the Wisconsin Dells area, which is a big tourist area, do you have rooms and and lodging and and food and stuff with a casino too, or is that just really a standalone casino?
0: We have the biggest hotel in Western North Carolina. Okay. That's where I was going with that. Yeah. We have four towers. Gosh, 2,000 rooms, 3,000 rooms. I don't, I don't, I, it's hard for me to keep track things. I don't go to the casino very often other than to have a, have a bike. Uh, or watch a show, but we have a brand new convention center. It you could take our casino, slap it right in the middle of the Las Vegas Strip, and it would fit right in. It's beautiful, and it's continually growing. I think we have four towers We have right around three thousand rooms. It's the biggest hotel in Western North Carolina, maybe the biggest hotel in, in North Carolina. Wow! Once you're capturing the gaming dollar, you don't want to let the gaming dollar go. You don't want to let. So that's why you have everything all on that one big camp. It. The casino provides so much for this tribe. However, in terms of tourism and in terms of people coming here, if they're going to the casino, you want them to stay at the casino. You don't necessarily want to lose what you've already captured. And that's that, that's that audience to, to spend their money on their, on their game of choice. So, and most people that are coming to game aren't necessarily coming to ride or fish or anything like that. They're coming to game and they're coming to go home and they're, and they're, they're going to stay and they're going to go home. It allows us to... To improve amenities here on the boundary, but we don't, um, it doesn't necessarily contribute to people enjoying the boundary so much.
1: You see what I'm saying? I do. And, uh, you know, so you talked about the ribbon cutting ceremony was in 2017. We're now recording this in early of 2023. So you've got a handful of years under your belt. How has the reception been? And how has the use gone from when it was first
0: opened to today? Oh, use has continued to increase. I will say this though, that the, the COVID pandemic is a bit of an outlier. We had so many more people coming during that time. And I think most trail systems did. Couldn't do anything else. And people wanted to get outside. You've seen the boom in, uh, in that. We continually rise, but in that, during that COVID era, you know, that year, year and a half, I mean, it shot way up. It started to come down now a little bit, but it's still tracking at uh, according to our trail counters, anyway, it's still tracking pretty well. We're still having more and more people come all the time. What we like to do, though, is to improve the trails in some form or fashion, add a little amenity here, add a little amenity there. Uh, we haven't done that in about a year and a half, I think. No, I take that back. We've, we've made some spruce ups, but nothing significant. We'll add a pavilion here, a pavilion there. We'll uh, re- reroute a trail or rename a trail and make it make it a little better here or there. But what we'd like to do more than anything is expand. Unfortunately, we don't have the property to expand on yet. So what we try to do is make it just a little bit better each year, something new, something better each year. And, but I would say usage from that point has continued to, to increase. Like I said, other than the COVID year, I don't want to, I don't want to throw that in there because it's a, it's kind of a skewed number. There's so many people were here and so many people were uh, in other places. So it's come down from that, but yet it still continues to climb.
1: Well, and how about the community that the EBCI, you know, and taking interest in mountain biking, getting, you know, working towards getting healthier, you know, addressing the the issues that were brought up early on when this was in just the the planning phases or they even even before that the concept of having mountain biking. Mm-hmm. You know, how has that
0: gone? Well, I'll tell you, this is my favorite part to talk about. This is uh, this is the part that makes me the most happy and the most proud is to see tribal citizens our our tribal citizens out riding or getting involved. I could tell you a million great stories. Laura Blythe, who I think you're going to be interviewing very soon. She's a prime example. She told me, I think she hadn't ridden a bike since she was 14 and she gets on a bike and now she's racing and she's super committed and super involved in the community. She is a, um, she's got a great story to tell. She is super involved in the cycling community, the local cycling community and helping to build that, helping to get her friends on board and her friends on bikes and getting, making friends outside of here too, uh, that can, that can help us do better at, at building trails. It's a, it's truly a community thing. Seeing so many tribal citizens just happen to be up there one day and I see four or five people out there riding their travel said, Hey, what are you doing? You want to ride together? Well, maybe, maybe we're just finished up. We're going to, maybe next time we have a local group of on a third, we have Thursday night rides during the spring and summer, which a lot of uh, tribal citizens come to. I can't can't put a a number on it on how many are actually being, are actually uh, getting involved. I hope to have a number for you in a, you know, in a year or so. I'd like to do some more studies about it, but the reception from the local community has been 99.9% positive. Uh, Yeah. 99.9% positive. It's been great. And it's not just, it's not just, uh, I like to say that, that a lot of these citizens, a lot of these tribal citizens are improving their lives. I lo- it's just a, it's just a great story. It's just a great feeling when you're out on the trail and you see a, a dad and his son out there riding, you know, and you chat with them a little bit and they te- give you some feedback on the trail and they're getting involved in it. And then their other kids are coming up and you see families being together, getting healthy, being, being healthy and, um, um being active. It, rem- it it reminds me of my time with my dad uh, whenever I was younger. You know, it's just a wonderful feeling to see. There are so many great stories here from our tribal citizens that have gotten into cycling and it has truly changed their lives. I could I can name you a th- can name you 10, 15, 20 people that I could say this is who you want to talk to because they have a great story. And Laura will, will, will give you a great story as well. Her dad, Larry, uh, just as another little anecdote, he was the vice chief of the tribe for 12 years. Very respected man. Uh, great fella. Uh, and a friend of mine, he's, uh, he's been a friend of my family for a very, very long time. He got, he started riding. He started, um, getting involved in, uh, he'll come up to the Thursday night rides every once in a while. He won't ride so much on single track, but he'll take his, he's gotten on an e bike and he's just, he's killing it. He's lost, I don't know, 30, 40 pounds. Uh, he's feeling great yeah, whenever he, uh, he will, uh, get on his e-bike sometimes and he'll ask and say, Jeremy, let's go up, uh, let's, let's, let's do a ride together and I'll, when we're able to do it, we've done it once or twice, and he's on that e-bike, and we'll do a road ride together. We'll go up to the uh, Boston Post Office, a local ride here, and I tell you, it's, it's great having that good camaraderie with him and having, having him tell stories as we go, or just having me put my head down and let him pace me up, you know, and say, just go as hard, and if, I, if you start to drop me, let me uh, wait on me, you know, just put your head down and suffer, and he's on that e-bike, so he can do that. And, uh, it's, it's a fun experience to be able to, to get involved with, uh, some of these local folks and, you know, the brotherhood of the bike, you know, or the sisterhood of the bike being able to, it's a, it's a wonderful, it, it, it's so much happiness. And I like to see that. And that's what I've seen throughout this boundary more than anything is seeing people get involved and be happy and enjoying themselves and enjoy, we can enjoy, we can enjoy that brotherhood and sisterhood together, you know?
1: Yeah. The, the bike has brought, it brings so many So many different people together from so many different backgrounds and having that one common bond that everyone can relate to is so good.
0: A hundred percent. I agree. One hundred percent.
1: Let's get into the operation side of things in terms of trails. You know, so you guys have been, and you guys have been rolling for about five years or so. What approach have you guys taken in terms of building and maintenance since it's been open? This is an area that I like to go into regularly within the show because maintenance in my opinion, gets ignored generally in life. I'm not going to say in trails, but generally in life, like everyone wants to do the new shiny stuff, right? And I'm sure you can relate coming in, op- working in operations.
0: Oh, yeah. As it relates to that, everybody wants the new shiny building, but nobody wants to pay the money to have the trash picked up or the bathrooms clean. Correct. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know exactly or the, what you Or mean. the general maintenance done or the, you know, the HVAC service. Nobody thinks about those sort of things. And uh, understands that, hey, this may be th- this is the cost of the building and this is the cost of the people that you're paying to work in the building. But there's recurring costs for landscaping. There's recurring costs for for housekeeping. There's recurring costs for facilities maintenance. There's recurring costs for, for uh, you know trash pickup. All of those things. Nobody thinks of that. No. So luckily, in my position, I did do my best to think of those. Things. And we don't have a we have Netahela area sore, but, but they don't they, they, and they help me out anytime i I want anytime, and that's a, that's a local uh, nonprofit of volunteers. I am working toward getting a set of, or working on building a a team of volunteers. You know what? I could make five phone calls right now. And I could probably have at least four people come and join me for a volunteer work day. But there are some things that happen that I can't take care of. And general maintenance, what we do is we set up a a maintenance agreement with uh, Trail Dynamics every year. They come out three, three times a year and do massive maintenance. And it's a work in progress constantly. The great thing about working with Ed is that he will he see something and he rides it all the time. If he sees something that he doesn't like, or something is not, is wearing out, or if something that is just not flowing right, he'll change it. And he won't charge anything extra other than what he was being, what he's charging for the, for the maintenance. It's his baby, just like it's my baby. He wants it to be wonderful and great all the time. And he is a terrific partner. If, if, Anyone hears this, I'm, I'll plug him all day long. He is just a terrific guy, Ed Sutton with Trail Dynamics. Uh, he'll come up three times a year and he'll come up too. If, 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 if I have a huge tree down and I can't handle it myself, he'll come up and help me. And then we'll ride afterward or we'll ride before and then we'll have beers after. It's great. It's, I mean, it's just great. And he will do it at, pretty much at no charge as long as it's not, as long as he doesn't have to get any of his big equipment up here or get, get any of his guys up here. And you know what? He can do that sometimes and he still won't charge for it. It's, he's just a great community partner. He's a great travel partner. He has the utmost respect for the Eastern man and our tribal citizens. He's ever, all of those people I was talking about, You know, the, all, the, all the tribal citizens that have been riding here know Ed and they love him. And we, anytime Ed comes to town, we try to get a group ride together. But that general maintenance agreement, uh, we, we, we execute it every year. He comes up three times a year. If I need him to come up, like I said, once or twice here or there, he will as well. But he'll do that's one thing about this trail is it's, it's, it's good, nice clay, and, it, is, and it, it bakes in the summer, so it drains well. Uh, it maintains itself very well. It was very well done in terms of trail. And it is, it's not everybody's cup of tea because it's a bike-optimized, flowy single track. Not everybody, everybody, some people want, want the chunk. We don't have the chunk. We have the flow. We have significant flow, and uh, it's, it's, it's really good dirt. Yeah, mentions that, how much he likes working in this dirt up here. But because it was built right, there's not a lot of maintenance that you have to put into it. To be honest, trees come down, it's steep. Trees come down, they'll take out part of the trail or they'll block two pieces of the trail. If it's big enough and I can't cut it up myself, as a matter of fact, I'm going up tomorrow to cut four trees off of it. But if it's too big and I can't handle it or I don't feel comfortable doing it, I'll call him and he'll come over no problem. The maintenance itself is not a huge it's not a huge cost. If, if you can get a trail builder to come out and continue, continually do it, I would suggest that, uh, local volunteers are great, but there is a certain expertise that comes with being a professional trail builder that I don't have. And no one has. And one thing more than anything we do is we don't want to mess anything up. If Ed comes out and he does do a big tree cut, I can wrangle four or five people. We'll go up, we'll have lunch. We'll, uh, we'll cut, we'll, we'll, we'll pile brush with him and, We have, ultimately, your question was, have we addressed it? And yes, we have. We have addressed maintenance. I would like to get it to where it's more in-house in terms of, or more uh, organized. I would like to get a more organized set of volunteers together so that we can do general maintenance, cleaning out drainages, blowing leaves when necessary, knocking out some of the logs that have fallen in the way, little stuff. And I don't think it's going to be a problem. I just have to do it. This is a passion project. It's kind of on the side. So it's, uh, it's not, not like I have a ton of time to put all that together, but I'm working on it.
1: Well, and you've probably thought of this, but is there a is there potential for a future position under your purview that would be like the regular daily maintenance, just like we have people cutting grass and doing landscaping or other maintenance that we do and everything else in daily lives?
0: That is my hope. Yes, sir. I have the job description written. I have a two job descriptions written. I have a trail boss, essentially, which will do just that. And because I do want to build more trails, eventually we, we do have permission to build more trails. But I also have a, a outreach coordinator type of person, an outreach manager, somebody that can activate the school, somebody that can get classes going, somebody can get clinics going, somebody that can hire Josh or Shanna to come over and do clinics for, for um, our school kids. Or how about let's do a ladies rack? Or how about let's, do a, uh, let's get somebody to come out and do, a, do an audit for adaptive sports? I need somebody to lead those projects and to say, and to get, okay, if we're going to have a race. Like you, you, you take lead on the race. You take lead on organizing all these things, get the community activated. I've spoken with several people about this and gotten some really good, really good insight as to what is required for this. And I think we have some good local folks that can, that can pull it off. So I have that, the outdoor outreach manager, whatever you want to call it. And also have the trail boss. The trail boss would be in charge of doing that general maintenance every single day. And then also organizing volunteers to be able to come up and help that person do it. Wouldn't take a lot. And uh, I think I am going to speak to, you know, all of these things have to be approved. It's a brand new job description, two brand new job descriptions. These have to be approved by executive. I'm going to have a conversation with the chief later this month to see if I can get it I want to get his initial approval before I bring it to executive committee. And then we'll kind of go from there. And yes, I, I think that those two positions are of the utmost importance if we're going to continue to improve and to expand our outdoor recreation offering. You know, that wouldn't it would, they wouldn't just be, particularly that outdoor recreation coordinator or manager would not be just uh, focused on Fire Mountain. They would also focus on Fire Mountain Disc Golf Sanctuary, our new championship level disc golf course. It would also focus on helping perhaps a fish Cherokee, which currently resides in the natural resources program, if they would like some help in terms of handling some of their programs or handling some of their uh, events. Also, there are other, there are other assets we have that are just terrific outdoor assets. Waterfalls, we have um, have Mingo Falls and Soco Falls. They're areas that need attention and they need some love. And I think that person could help. Help with that as well. So, you know, I'm taking this. I think we can get a lot of value out of uh, these two positions. And yeah, I can't do it myself. And if we continue to expand, what I don't want is for things to fall by the wayside and I don't want things to fall into disrepair. So I don't want things to become orphans either. So I'd love to have someone that is, see, here's the thing I'm an appointee. If my job could end at any point, any time, I'm trying to s- secure it so that my uh these assets are are taken care of if something happens and i'm not here leave them um so that they're available to the tribal citizens in perpetuity and and i think these two positions would would certainly help uh, secure that
1: you know we always think about getting trail started and then as it grows you, you hit on all those all the things that you know eventually get thought about and and hopefully figured out yeah moving forward What's your purview in terms of advice for another community that may be looking at putting a trail system in, especially another Native American community? I know there's, you know, there's, I mean, like we've already, I've already pointed out, there's other gaming tribes around the country, and everybody faces the health issues that we, you know, have talked about. What would your advice be towards doing, going this direction?
0: Sure. We were, um, we were lucky on two levels. Well, we're, we continue to be very fortunate. One of those being funding, many municipalities, many tribal, uh, many tribal governments, they may not have the assets and resources that we have. We don't have to chase that same dollar that Swain County has to chase or Haywood County has to chase it. That, in itself is is huge as it relates to building trails. We are so very fortunate to be able to have funding internally to do that. Now that's not to say we don't go after money externally, but we're not absolutely relying upon it. So that's very fortunate we can do, we can deal with it. We can make those negotiations internally and building trails comparatively speaking to some of the things that the tribe does here in terms of uh, some of the construction projects and building, it's not that much money. So, and all of our tribal council members for the most part, certainly our chief all have the best interests of our tribal citizens at heart. And they see the, they see the the effect it's having on our travel citizens. So they're all for it. They're absolutely. I've, I've I've not received hardly any any negative blowback in terms of building and expanding our outdoor assets, our outdoor uh, activity asset, outdoor recreation assets rather. So we're very fortunate there. We're also very fortunate in the fact that we kind of got lucky uh, when we started building these trails. We didn't have a plan really. You know, we we tried to hire. We talked to. I know you're uh, probably familiar with Josh Whitmore. Our, uh, he's a, he's a good friend of ours, excellent cyclist. And he had the idea of building the, the, uh, the set of trails at, uh, up in Culloway at WCU. Whenever Tinker was first discovering what it took to build trails, she consulted with him. And I think he turned her on to Ed and Valerie and so on and so forth. And we got lucky in hiring a good trail builder. First and foremost, if you can get the funding, you've got to hire a professional trail builder. I can build a trail all day long. Nobody's going to want to ride it after I'm done. You know, <laughs> there is a method to the madness and that, that you have to find somebody that's good. And we were very lucky in doing so. I think there are a lot of tremendous trail builders out there. I'd like to, you know, I, I, I've met several. Certainly locally, we have a ton of really good guys and gals that build really phenomenal trails. We didn't have any planning as it related to what was next. Uh, we didn't have a, a signage plan. We didn't have a... Emergency management plan or a risk management plan; those kind of things came after. We were able to implement them afterward, but I would; those things have to be thought of ahead of time. We've got them implemented, and I think it works really great. I think our signage could use a bit of an update, uh, but uh, it's still good signage. You're not going to get lost out there. We've turned our emergency response. We do we do drills on the trail with our fire and EMS. We have signs every thousand feet that give you a. If you have to make a call and you see one of these signs or you're between one of these signs on these trails every thousand feet, you can, you can dial that in. Or we also have the trails completely downloaded onto a GIS uh, layer. It's downloaded onto our um, 911 system so that whenever they ping, uh, whenever somebody calls in and they, they ping their cell phone, it'll come up on their screen showing them where they are and the best access of entry to, get the, to do the extraction if it's necessary. So we've really come a long way in terms of our, our uh, emergency response, and that is critical. Yeah, just sitting back and you know what, I, talking with other people about what they've done, how they've done it. I've talked to Christian over at um, Rocky Knob. I've talked to many people in the industry about what's next. man, you you get so much information from so many people about it. You, you know, you that would be my biggest advice is to ask. Go to one of these. Uh, go to Go to AMBA Trail Labs or contact, contact Andy Williamson up in West Virginia. Contact. There's so many resources that you, could, that you can reach out to. Uh, it's, it's just been amazing. It's been amazing on the stuff you learn after the fact. Like I said, we got very lucky in terms of the, getting a good trail builder, making sure that it was uh, done right. And a lot of that fell to Ed and Trail Dynamics. So a lot of this stuff is after the fact. But, you know, I speak with these guys on, on, on uh, regular occasion speaking with people that are in the industry and asking for advice because I don't know everything. That's for sure. And I'm learning constantly. There's still so much. I don't know. That would be my advice to anyone is just talk to somebody that's done it. And I would be happy to, you know, holler at me. I'll be happy to point you in the right direction.
1: Let's talk about 2023. I think you have uh, something that includes a playground,
0: but not really swings and slides. We do. We certainly do. We are, we are going fingers crossed. We're going to build one of the finest, uh, bike parks around. That's what I hope to do. We're talking a um, state of the art 30,000 square foot pump track along with a skills park, a, a intermediate and beginner skills park, a few asphalt gravity lines, all in one area, forward facing. This this uh, pump track will hopefully be segmented between uh, a, a expert or a intermediate expert pump track to a beginner pump track and we'll have a snake chute that runs all the way down between one to the other. I want it to be just something spectacular. From my understanding, we're having Imba design it currently. We're hoping to start construction this year. We'll see. Fingers crossed. We've hit a hiccup here or there, but we are really excited to have that coming to us. We had an opportunity to build 10 to 12 more miles of single track and this bike park. With the escalation of prices for asphalt and materials and so on and so forth, with the money we have available for it. We were only able to pick one or the other. Well, the single track was going to be geared toward, you know, turn up the amplitude a little bit, make it a little more expert level, at least six miles of it, of high-end super for some really, really good uh, gravity, gravity features. And we were going to hopefully do this bike park that I just mentioned that I just explained. Due to those cost escalations, I had to choose one or the other. Okay. My goal is to get tribal citizens on bikes and their kids on bikes. I'm not going to do that with gravity Trail. I'm gonna do that with a, with a beginner bike park. I've still got that property permission to me to be able to, to do that, to do those trails, but this bike park is going to be game changing. I'm hoping to build something that is not, I'm hoping that we can build something that is not, there's nothing like in the Southeast. That's what I'm hoping for. We can just get to it with, the, you know, the design is taking a while, the engineering is taking a while, that's okay. That's the hard part. Once you get a shovel in the ground, that's when we start rolling. I can't wait to unveil what it looks like. I haven't shown that to the public yet. Until I get an absolute firm design done, I'm not going to do that. I'd say we're 90%, well, 80% done with design. Hope to get started. Uh, Once we get a real price on it, and that's the scary part, is once you get the design done, then you go out and just try to find a real price on it. Once you find that, you hope that it's in your budget. I do not want to go back and ask for more money. And this is a tribally funded project. I have 100% you know support behind it i am super excited about it it's going to be it's another passion project but i want it i'd rather it take a little while longer and make it perfect than, it, than to rush it and not not to have it so ultimately right now what we want is that giant um and it'll probably be a velo solutions pump track along with a intermediate and beginner bike park area bike park areas i want to see kids out there on Strider bikes. i want to see their parents out there You know, riding the the pump track with their kid. You know, I want to see mom and dad reading a book in the in the in the area while their kids are out there just just crushing it. You know, I want them to be able to connect as a family on on bicycles. I think it's it's easy access, it's forward facing, it's public facing rather. And I want my goal is to get more people on bikes. I can do that with this park. I can't necessarily do that with gravity trails. You know, gravity trails will come later. But right now I want this park to be successful.
1: What's the proximity of this location relative to Fire Mountain Trailhead?
0: I mean, everything's fairly close around here. It's within a, it's about a mile's drive, okay. i say, mile and a half drive. Ultimately, when we do build the, when we do build the single track, we're hoping that it will connect to that single track. It'd be no more than a, than a short bicycle ride down the road, probably a hundred feet down the road and get on the, be able to get to the trailhead. Where this is, is I'm not sure if you're familiar with the park, the park entrance, the national park entrance in Cherokee near Sunooks village. It is on, uh, it is on 441 heading toward Gatlinburg. Just before you enter the park in the big farmstead there, there's a giant parking lot. Before you exit the koala boundary, there's a giant parking lot on the left. There used to be a movie theater there. There's also a brewery next door. That parking lot is where we were going to have this, where we're going to have what I'm calling the, uh, fire mountain igniter park and i call it the igniter park because it's going to ignite the fire within these kids that's going to put them on single track for the rest of their life you know what i mean
1: i do and hopefully just figuratively and not literally this time
0: <laughs> exactly exactly exactly
1: you said gatlinburg what's the proximity of, of fire mountain to gatlinburg Because I think a lot more people know where Gatlinburg is, to be honest with you. That's it's like the Disney World of the Southeast.
0: uh, 45 minutes, I guess. 45 minute drive. Yeah. Oh wow. And the and the igniter park is gonna be right next to the right next to the park entrance. So when you come out of the park, and that's eleven million visitors we get through Cherokee driving through Cherokee, that's the first thing you're gonna see is the Fire Mountain Igniter Park. It's so exciting. I get I get all giddy thinking about
1: it. Not to sidetrack this too much, but I just saw via a social media post in the last three days that they've just gone through the NEPA process and they're potentially going to put in 11 miles of, of bike optimized mountain bike trails in Smoky mountain national park. But on the, it'd be on the North side. So closer to like the V hollow side of the park, I guess you could say, or closer to the Knoxville side.
0: Uh-huh. And near Townsend, I think, right?
1: Yeah. That's where V hollow at. Yeah. I think it's Weirs Valley, Wears Valley I think is what they call it.
0: I have heard something about that. I don't know if it's but it's been a year ago, I guess. I've heard that there's going to be something put there. I don't know if it's new trail, bike optimized single track or or if they're just opening up some roads. I don't know. I'm not I'm not familiar with the project. I'm, I I know enough to be dangerous, that's pretty much it. So Well,
1: I'm going to have to get the backstory really on wanna... that because I think that in itself, you know, mountain biking in national parks isn't really a thing
0: right now no it's not a thing absolutely we we approached the park about opening up um trails just for gravel or not trails roads for gravel rack that's that are that are currently off limits and the answer was no due to you know wh- whatever reason i'm assuming that it's a uh, well the reason that we were given was uh, just resource lack of resources to be able to handle it okay i'm not going to comment on that any further but okay <laughs> i uh i have uh I think that's, a, that's an untapped resource. That's an untapped uh, opportunity uh, for the park and for particularly for our tribal citizens to be able to get on those, those back roads or anybody locally to get on those back roads. The park say, takes up so much, so much property. There's a lot of it. I'd like to be able to get out and enjoy it a little more. We're not allowed to ride on the trail, so why not the back road? That's my point of view. I don't, I'm not speaking for the, ba- the tribal. That's my own person. Yeah,
1: I totally understand. Speaking of you, what's your go-to ride and kind of give the listeners what your go-to ride would be in terms of riding fire mountain.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think the, I think the Prius route up, and I'm just going to, I'm going to throw out our names here of these trails. There's not many of them. The ride up Uptana is the nicest ride. It's all steep. So get used to the climb, get used to climb up, but I'm telling you the rule, the payoff is, is worth it. Octana is a, a little narrower. It's a prettier trail. You go through a rhododendron hill. It's got a little uh, little creek crossing here or there. It's very pretty. It does snake up the ridge. Once you get to the top, you'll have you'll have the Ravens Roost. That's a pavilion we put at the very top of, of the intersection of all the trails, or all three main trails rather. Take your break up there. Have you a snack? You can decide whether you want to come down Octana or if you want to go down Spearfinger, which is very very flowy, a little peddly. Everything's a little peddly because We do have steep, but we try to, we try to maximize the trail or we try to maximize the property that we're on. If we come straight down, you know, it's going to be a very quick ride. So there will be some pedally section, you not not too many climbs, or you can come down Kessel Run, which was our first, it's a, it's an upper blue diamond trail. Everything is rideable. We have bigger tables, bigger tabletops on it. There's a rock garden, uh, a couple of Creek crossings, but there's nothing that can't be ridden, and there's nothing that can't be um, avoided if you don't want to. If you don't want to ride it or if you don't want to hit it hard, you don't, you, everything's rideable. Spearfinger doesn't really have any features. It's just extreme, wonderful flow. A uh, little bit of pedal here and there. My suggestion, depending on which one you come down, you go all the way to the end. Each of those trails will come out at our uh, Overlook Lounge, which is our lower Pavilion. It's a big open area where you can overlook the town. And it has also the entrance to Skilling. S-K-I-L-L-Y, Skilly. It's, 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 a, it's a play on words we have. It would really be pronounced Skilly in Cherokee. And Skilly is a phantom or a ghost or a, you know, a, a malevolent spirit. And that is our true Black Diamond Trail right there. Once again, everything is right. Every, oh, not everything's is right. I'll well, take that back. Everything is, you can either ride around it or you can ride over it. We have two great big drops, a nice little wall ride, a... Uh, a lily pad with a couple of gaps on it, bigger tables, a lot of fun. It's a little peddly too. Unfortunately, I can't get anything to go straight downhill. It seems around here, but, uh, and and it to be worth your while. So, and it's also, uh, it's got a real quick return trail. So it's, it's sessionable. If you want to try that, give that a go. Got some, it's, it's, we just made some improvements on it for the upcoming year. And, uh, that would be, and then, if you decide not to ride down Skilly, when you're at the Overlook Lounge, you can ride out uh, lower Tinker's Dream or upper Tinker's Dream. And those are our green ways in and out. That would be my suggestion. Or you know what? Just give me a call. I'll tell you, I'll, I will ride with you. <laughs> That's my go-to actually, whenever I need to get out for lunch or after work, get up there and hit it. And what's cool about it is, you know, you can take several laps on it. If you got the, if you got the energy to do those climbs, it's, 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 it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful area to ride. I think
1: we didn't touch on this yet. And I know this isn't the Appalachian mountains, but we didn't touch on this. What's the elevation you guys have at fire mountain.
0: I want to say right around, uh, 2,700 feet at the top, 2,600 feet at the top. We're at uh 9, 1900 feet right here. I think, Give or take.
1: So top to bottom, you got about 600 feet of
0: vert. Yeah. Six to seven. Yeah. Depending on the right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a lot. That's a, I mean, it that is. makes for some good climbing days to get, you know, when you say you have the energy, if you have the energy. If you want to get in
0: shape, holy cow. And I, you know what? Don't quote me on that. I that's what I want to say. I'm not absolutely for sure because I get up there and I don't pay attention. I just ride, you know, I get up there and I'm like, well, I got a thousand feet of climbing today. Well, what did you do? It doesn't matter. I don't even think about it. So I would say, I would say, you know, six, 700 feet of vert. That's what I would say.
1: Maybe we can ask it this way. How long does it take to climb to the, to the, what would you call it? The Raven's roost?
0: Yeah. Up to the Raven's roost, depending on which way you go. If you go up, um, it's a good 20 minute climb. It's a good 20 minute climb. And there's a, you know, it's beautiful too, especially this time of year with the leaves off. Gorgeous. And, you know, it, it has its own, there are truly, there are truly, um, four seasons here and, we try not to shut things down if we don't have to. It's open right now. We don't have it shut down. If it gets into a significant freeze-thaw situation, a lot of people are on it. I'll have to shut it down until probably March. Hopefully, the weather stays mild enough that I don't have to. Also, too, we're open to e-bikes. We're one of the very few places in Western North Carolina that are open to e-bikes. We allow e-bikes. I'm not in the. I'm not in the business of making rules. Whenever I don't see rules that need, I don't see rules need to be applied. It's never been a. To my knowledge, there's never been a, uh, a user conflict, so I'm all for it. I've got no issue with it.
1: Yeah, I think the, the user conflict with e-bikes is more perception than reality. So,
0: 100%. Agreed 100%. Anybody that poop, I, I say this all the time, and I, I think I've, I've said it and it's in print somewhere. Anybody that says anything negative about e-bikes has never thrown their leg over.
1: I'll be honest with you, and I've said this more than once in this podcast. I'm 100% in support of e-bikes. I have not thrown a leg over one, and for one reason and one reason only. I mean, I I love buying bikes, but that's just another bike I'm gonna have to buy.
0: I know, I know what you mean. I have friends that rue the day they bought or they 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 ever ridden they ever rode one because now they're that's all they think about is buying one, and they're not the cheapest thing on the planet, that's for sure. But yeah, I know exactly what you mean. They are they're wonderful. I've taken I've taken some of my colleagues that haven't been on a bicycle forever down here as I have an e bike that I use to to work on the trail. I don't want to, you know, I don't necessarily all the time want to take my analog bike, my acoustic bike up the, up the Ridge when I got a saw on my back. So I'll take it. Some of my colleagues here in my office, I've taken them outside and let them sit on the e-bike. Oh my God. They love it. Absolutely love it. I've never seen anybody, not just absolutely love an e-bike whenever they get on.
1: So I've got another term that came up in this podcast back in November, and I'd never heard it said this way until I interviewed Kurt Gensheimer and he called it the muscle bike.
0: The muscle bike instead of the I've analog, heard the, that the, the analog
1: bike. Ver, the, so the analog bike or the acoustic bike is now the muscle bike versus the e bike. Okay, good call. I remember that because it's powered by muscles versus powered by electricity. So the analog that. bike is is also known as the muscle bike now.
0: <laughs> I remember that the muscle bike versus the e bike. Yeah, whenever I get um, whenever you speak with Laura, she's a. Uh, uh, she'll, she'll come up and when I've got the saw, I usually don't want to go up by myself. She'll follow me sometimes. Some of my other friends will follow me just so I've got somebody up there in case I cut myself and call 911 or whatever. Help me stop the bleeding. Usually when I ask her that, she's like, you got the e-bike? You got the e-bike? I'm like, yes, I've got the e-bike. You can, come, you can come up too on the e-bike. If I want to get an extra good workout, throw the saw on and take the muscle back.
1: Well, and you said early on in this conversation, when I, I believe you're talk, you talking about laura's father actually and how he's lost weight
0: riding the e-bike that's right he sure has he loves it too he it's you know it's not just about losing weight it's just it's about a overall quality of life situation i know that my i know i do better when i'm riding regularly i know my mind is sharper when i ride regularly i know my energy is higher when i ride regularly i know my i know my um disposition is better when i ride regularly i know i have joy in my life when i ride regularly if i don't i i, I suffer in all those aspects i think it makes <laughs> put it to you this way it makes me a better person when i'm on the bike 100 percent.
1: i can say that 100 too and i know pretty much everyone i've ever talked to says the same thing
0: yep yep it's it's a it's like a drug it's uh it's 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 better than any any chemical anything you can eat drink whatever it's it's so good. It it is true. It is true. Joy. You can't buy happiness, but you can buy a bicycle and that's pretty damn close.
1: Yes, you can. Well, (laughs) do you have anything you want to talk about before we close this thing up? Is there anything we missed any kind of closing comments? Thank yous, you know, shout outs to anybody.
0: Um, I would like to say that uh, our uh, fifth annual, yeah. Fifth annual fire mountain Inferno is coming up two days of enduro on the 22nd and 23rd of April. That's going to be a fun event. We have it every year. We're going to, up the, we're going to do two days of Enduro this year instead of, um, of uh, cross-country. We've upped the entries to, I think, we've up the max entries, I think, to 300, give or take. So two days of Enduro, it's going to be great. We always have the best swag. We have the, we have a, it's a good atmosphere, good music, good food, good beer. Come on out. Uh, but I just want to say thank you for having me on here, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to tell the story again. I'm sure I rambled along quite a bit, but I can't thank enough of the folks that are in my community that are helping me make this place successful. If I didn't have those guys, I wouldn't like Laura, like, uh, like Ed, like, uh, like all the other tribal citizens that come out right on Thursday. If I don't have that, and I don't have that support. We've got nothing. Uh, I just appreciate them more than me.
1: Yeah. Well, Jeremy, AKA Mr. Fire Mountain, according to Andy Lamson. <laughs> <Williamson.
0: laughs> it's been a pleasure, sir.
1: I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Obviously we've uncovered that you have a lot going on, you know, so I, I appreciate you being able to take some time out of your day and, and record this conversation with me and we can get it out to the masses to, for people to hear and learn more about fire mountain and, the Eastern band of the Cherokee Indians.
0: Sounds great. Josh, anytime you're out here, buddy, holler at me. We'll, we'll, we'll get a ride in. Perfect. Well, thank you. Try to stay warm up there.
1: Thank you for listening. Links for the various topics discussed in the show can be found in the show notes. Tune in next week to hear part two of this series featuring Laura Blythe. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you're new to the Trail Effect podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. Please don't forget to leave a rating and review, as this is one of the best ways to show your support for the Trail Effect podcast. I'd also like to thank all of the listeners who have signed up to be supporters of TrailFect through Patreon. These actions mean a lot to me. With that, the value-for-value value concept is something that has caught my attention. If you find value in the Trail Effect podcast, you now have a way to provide value for that value via Patreon for Trail Effect. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. Or you can check out the new website at www.trailfectpodcast.com, Spelled E-A-F-F-E-C-T. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature in Trail Effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.